Welcome, Dragons, to episode 81 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today, I am joined by new friend and host of the Overcome and Run podcast, Heather Bodie. Heather, how are you today? I'm doing pretty great. I'm very excited to be on your podcast. I'm excited to get you on my podcast as well, especially because we just met on Sunday. True. And you and I had a decent amount of time to talk about how much we wanted to be on each other's podcast. <laughs> yes. And I was like, oh, I have no idea when this is going to happen. She's going to be training for or she's going to be getting ready for World's Toughest Mudder. And then things are going to get in the way and we're going to have to plan this. And then it's not going to be until 2018 and all this other stuff. And then I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to text her today and we're going to get her on the podcast today. Perfect. Because I've just been working from home today. So <laughs> you caught me at the right time. That's Excellent. That's excellent. Before we jump into our two super awesome topics that I'm very excited about, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. All right. Well, my name is Heather. I uh, I co-host technically a podcast called Overcome and Run. That's all about obstacle course racing and fitness. And we interview anyone from athletes to coaches to trainers to race directors, etc. Anybody even remotely related to the OCR world. And uh, right now I'm the sole host because my husband's my co-host, but he's currently deployed. Um, So I've taken over as host. And when I'm not doing that, I'm a full-time wedding engagement photographer. So my life is pretty much split between those two things at the moment. I feel that that's how a lot of podcasters are. Our lives are split between... Uh, our nine to five jobs and podcasting. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) And then of course there's by any chance, do you have like a thousand other podcast ideas that you want to launch? Oh yeah. Oh, well, okay. So my biggest one, cause I was actually never the big podcaster. That was Jay, my husband, but ever since I came on as co-host and then kind of took over as host, now I have all these little ideas bubbling up in my head and I've always really enjoyed uh, movies and film. So I would just love to have a podcast where I just talk about movies. <laughs> That's my biggest idea. In addition to like the 20 other ones I have. Oh, I'm right there with you. Me and two friends have been planning to launch a second podcast uh, on movies for about six months now. <laughs> and we have a theme song. We have like three or four episodes recorded it's just a matter of finishing out getting the logo and the social media stuff and then publishing. So uh, talking movies is so much fun. You should totally do it. Oh, yeah. I I love any podcast that has to do with movies and talking about movies. That's like that's my favorite discussion topic. So that's awesome that you guys have one that's pretty much ready to go. Yeah, it's just we can't pull the trigger. For whatever reason, like, (laughs) yeah, we were getting ready to do it. And then life got in the way for me. And now life is getting in the way for the other people. And so it's just it's there's not enough time in the day to make everything that I want to make. Oh, absolutely. I I struggle with that so much. Well, I wanted to ask you, uh, because you are such a big fan of movies. Have you ever heard of the film Reroll podcast? No, I haven't. This is currently my favorite podcast. They, it's essentially a Dungeons and Dragons playcast with the script of a movie. So they take, that's awesome. They take a movie, everyone plays a character in the movie, but then as they make choices, they have to roll. And sometimes the choices (laughs) lead to, hilariously amazing predicaments. Yes. Oh my God. I love this premise. And one of the best, one of the best episodes they ever did was they did Homeward Bound, The Incredible Journey. (laughs) Yeah. And instead of just being three animals lost in the wilderness trying to get home, they end up fighting a bear and like the cat goes rogue and joins a pack of wolves. (laughs) Like, 
It was the funniest podcast I listened to, and I was just cracking up listening to it in my car. Um, Dude, that makes it way more epic. I love that. Yeah, it's so brilliant. So that's that's my plug for the film reroll. But we're not here to talk about the film reroll. We're here to talk about <laughs> we're here to talk about you and Overcoming yes. Run and Tough Mudder and all this other good good stuff. Of course. Um, why did you guys decide to start Overcome and Run? So kind of going back to the fall of 2015. Jay had been wanting to start a podcast because he had always been into radio shows. I mean, Adam Carolla is like one of his favorite people and he grew up listening to radio shows and he's like, I want to start a podcast, but he didn't really have a clear idea. Well, I really wanted to run a Tough Mudder. And so I knew there was going to be one in town. I had heard about this great event. So I got a group of us together. We went out and ran it and we instantly got hooked. And so we ran it and then we sort of discovered this world of OCR and Jay's like, Oh, I want to start a podcast about it. And I said, that's a great idea. Cause at the time, um, <laughs> it's not that way now, but at the time there weren't a ton of OCR podcasts. And so he's like, you know what? I'm starting one. So, I mean, all credit to him for starting it. And just right off the bat, we got some really good guests and then it just sort of, we got a lot of help, um, from like Mappy Davis of ORM and um, some other people in the community. And it just sort of snowballed from there. And then I jumped on board and just, it's such a, a fascinating sport with such a strong community. Uh, it was just such a great topic for a podcast. And, and now almost two years later, it's, it's grown even further and it's really exciting. I'm really loving being the host of it. That's excellent. That's so awesome. I did, I was telling you off air that I did, catch up on a few episodes before we started um, just to kind of get a feel for what it was all about. And now I f find myself that I have to go back and listen to more back episodes because they were entertaining <laughs> and fun. And there are some really good training tips for anybody who does want to do an OCR. By the way, mm -hmm. I don't know if we've said this. OCR stands for obstacle course race, just in case anybody was curious. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so, what did you do to work out nerd out this week? So workout, I haven't really done a lot since World's Toughest is this weekend. So I've been mainly focused on uh, recovery. But um, after this, I plan on going to my uh, rock climbing gym. That's one of my favorite ways to work out. Um, I'm lucky in, in that there's one about 15 minutes away from my house. So that's that's my favorite way to work out, and I'm planning on doing that next. And then to nerd out, I <laughs> um, I watched uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I've been watching it today because I don't own it, but I recorded it off of cable television, and I've been watching it, and I'm realizing that even though it's been forever since I've seen it, I still remember like half the dialogue in the movie. So I'm like pre-quoting the lines as the movie's going along and it's been fantastic. Oh my gosh. There are a select few movies that I can do that too. Yeah. I'm pretty proud of myself that I still remember most of the script. I want to, I want to say though, I don't think the movies I could do that too are as uh, cool as Lord of the Rings. I, I mean, if you can do that to any movie, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> the one movie that's popping out in my mind that I can probably recite forwards and backwards along with would be Con Air starring Nicolas Cage. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Uh, I want to say that that movie, this is going to sound weird and it's going to need an explanation. That movie taught me all I needed to know about respecting women. Con Air? Yeah. Because there's a scene where Nicolas Cage bashes Danny Trejo's character's face against a prison cage. That's right. Says, I remember. He says, you don't treat women like that. <laughs> yes. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And so there you go. That's all I needed to know is you treat women with respect or else Nicolas Cage is going to bash your head. And... <laughs> That's a good lesson. It's, it's a great lesson. Um, and people say Nicolas Cage is overrated. 
<laughs> no, I love Nicolas Cage. Uh, no, he is pretty phenomenal. Oh, my gosh. And now we're going on a tangent about Nicolas Cage. I bet Nicolas Cage has never <laughs> run a Tough Mudder. Probably not. He should. He would be very entertaining on the course, I think. It's, <laughs> I feel that he would just yell about bees the entire time. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> just scream with a crazy face. Oh, it would be amazing. Oh, and, and then if there was like... It'd a tough matter if there was fire in your hole or ring of fire. He would just start yelling, how to get burned, how to get burned. <laughs> yes. Oh, God, I would pay to get Nicolas Cage out on a Tough, tough matter course. I think we should go fund me this. Probably. I, f- I think we would raise the money in probably 24 hours. And also, Nicolas Cage is broke, so he'd probably do it. There you <laughs> go. Is he really broke? Yeah. When Oh. That's why he is in... Every movie you ever see. <laughs> I thought he just didn't care. I thought he was just like, cool, okay. No, he bought a bunch of castles and a bunch of comic books. And when I say comic books, I mean he bought like a first edition of Action Comics number one, the first appearance of Superman for like $15 million. Oh, wow. So the most expensive comic books. Yeah, not a very good investment. Comic books don't usually appreciate that much. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I definitely... So if we really wanted to get Nicolas Cage on a Tough Mudder course, I think we could. I think it's in the realm of possibility. Probably, yeah. <laughs> also, with how great the Tough Mudder community is, I definitely think we could make this happen. Oh, my God. I would love that. I would die. I'd be so happy. Uh, maybe I'll send a tweet and I'll be like, Nicholas Cage, how much would it take? Oh, <gasps> yes. <laughs> These are genius plans we're coming up with. <laughs> um, that or completely harassing and Nicholas Cage just wants to be left alone. But <laughs> <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> the rule is you don't treat women that, like that, not you don't treat Nicholas Cage like that. True. I think I think Nicolas Cage has thick enough skin, though. I think he'd be okay. You'd have to be. If you were Nicolas yeah. Cage, you'd have to have that thick skin. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of the Tough Mudder community, I wanted to have you on because I had such an amazing experience um, with you, other Heather, Jessica, uh, pretty much everybody we we walked, we had our Sunday fun day with. Um, at the Tough Mudder, I just wanted to have you on and talk about how you got involved with Tough Mudder, how you got involved in this community, when when it went from just an obstacle course race to when you were a part of this, for lack of a better word, family. Yeah. So the whole reason I wanted to, to run a Tough Mudder and it got into this whole thing is because I've always really loved team events and group events and and being part of the team. And so I loved the idea of Tough Mudder. And so, I mean, I got a group of friends to go run our first one, but being out on the course, the thing that stood out most to me was the fact that being on the course, everyone is helping everyone. Like technically you might not know anybody on the course, but you're meeting 10, like you're, you're meeting 10, 20, 30 people before you leave at the end of the day, just people who are around you and help you over obstacles. And I loved that aspect of it. So I just, I wanted to keep coming back for more. And when you already have, like I've, I'm, I'm as introverted as I am extroverted. I, there's a technically a term for it. I learned (laughs) I'm an ambivert and, uh, And so initiating new conversations with people is actually kind of hard for me. But when you're on a Tough Mudder course, you know, you you already have that common thread of loving Tough Mudder. And so once Jay started the podcast, we started interviewing people um, and joining up, you know, various Facebook groups and getting to know people in the community out on the course. I would know people, you know, um, that were well known in the Tough Mudder community, I would just introduce myself and just slowly but surely I'd, I'd introduce myself and talk to people and get to know people. And I just found it so much easier. Like in the, you know, everyday world, initiating conversation is hard for me, but on the Tough Mudder course, there was just something about it that came so naturally. 
And so that's basically how I got to know the community, just uh, person by person. I, I got to build these relationships out on this really fun course. And now, like uh, two years into Tough Mudder, um, there, I'm, I don't know. I feel like I have a whole Tough Mudder family. It's this really, really cool thing to be a part of. I, I've often, often, often felt the, uh, the exact same way. And it's interesting that you talk about being an ambivert. Um, I, I am anyone who knows me knows I am far and away an extrovert. I will talk to people at the grocery store, at Tough Mudder, at wherever. Um, but mm-hmm. there's something about talking to people at Tough Mudder. I think it's because you know that you've all gone through a similar experience or you're about to go through a similar experience. Yeah. And as opposed to the grocery store at a Tough Mudder course, everyone is there for everybody else. Like, I don't think there's, I've ever met a person on the Tough Mudder course who's been like, I don't care if anybody else finishes. I think everyone wants everybody else to finish. Yeah, and I love that aspect of it. Uh, I've I've often said people I think I I want I want to say I ran my first tough mutter alone was my f- 10th. And I was re- Oh, you go- You ran your 10th alone? That's it. Well, here here's what Aww. I here's what I said. I registered alone, but I run tough mutters with hundreds of my friends I just haven't met yet. Yes, I love that way of putting and it. And I was I was so nervous because my tent was also in England. Oh wow. Uh, and so I really didn't know anybody and I always run with an American flag arm sleeve. That's right. So I really didn't want to be the pretentious American. <laughs> so I didn't even think about that in England. That's so funny. So on my other arm, I put a Union Jack um, just to, you know, show show the same respect for for the home country that I was in. Um, and even there, even with these cultural differences, everybody was still so amazing. I unfortunately don't keep in contact with anybody I met at that race. But my question to you is, did you start having these awesome friendships, this awesome sort of family connection right away, like right after your first Tough Mudder, or did it take a few? I would say it, it did take a few. Um, and that's that's the beauty of social media is that I would add people on, on like Facebook uh, afterwards and um, – it, it took a few because I still felt like the newbie and, you know, a lot of the the really tight Tough Mudder family has, they've done a lot. And I had only done like four, maybe five. But I remember uh, after Jay and I ran our second uh, Florida, because we when we started running Tough Mudders, we were in Florida at the time. We had heard through people we had interviewed on the podcast, we heard about this family dinner and um, hosted or hosted and put together by Melissa Dugan, um, also known as Sharkbait, who's a really well-known person in the Tough Mudder community. And so we'd heard about it through her and we're like, well, we're just going to go because <laughs> we're like, we, we want to meet more of the community. And uh, we still we were very shy. We're like, we're newbies. We've done like three Tough Mudders. We're the babies in this group. But everybody was just so welcoming and they were so kind and they were just so open and friendly, even while being such a tight knit group. And that just really left an impression on me. And so after that, I really made more of an effort to reach out to people because a lot of my, you know, a lot of the Tough Mudder family lives all over the country. And so the biggest way to stay in contact is via social media through Facebook. And so after that Tough Mudder dinner experience, I really kind of made an effort to reach out and stay in touch with people. And then it just sort of grew from there. That's excellent. That's that's really cool. Uh, I'm really actually I'm really glad that you got in so early because 
I was telling you before we before we jumped on, I have only recently um, felt like a part of this this family. I mean, I had I had known some of the legends. Um, Jim, I've known for a couple years now, but it really, I think it was really Dallas this year. So like a month ago where I really met, um, Anka. Oh yeah. An in-depth conversation with her. And I think I also met, um, maybe it was Nashville. Joe Van Tassel and his wife, other Joe, <laughs> um, <laughs> and people like that, where I really started to feel this close knit family. And then it, it really was Sunday. Well, Saturday when I ran into Anka again and we remembered each other from Dallas. And then Sunday when I got to spend, you know, four or five hours with, with you and Anka and other Ken and everyone just. Mm-hmm. walking along the course, I had met all these people tangentially, like in passing. But it wasn't until Sunday where I really felt like part of the family, as it were. So it was really great experience. And I really, I, I really want everybody I've ever run a Tough mutter with to feel that feeling. Because it, it, it's so great. Like just the, the community. I mean, we were talking to Anka and it was like one of the, one of the Tough Mudder community members needed um, some help paying medical bills. And the community like raised 40 grand in 24 hours. It's, mm-hmm. it's just so ridiculous. It's such an amazing family and people open up People open up their hearts and their houses to people. Um, I, yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember, you know, when, when Joe was telling me that he was going to do Southern California and I was like, Oh, awesome. If you need a place to stay, let me know. Like just not thinking anything of it. You know, I, I, I have this space. Yeah. And he sent me a message, uh, earlier this week and he's like, you have no idea how much that meant to me. And it made coming out here a lot easier knowing that I had a place to stay, even though I didn't end up taking you up on it. Yeah. I was telling Anka, who's from Germany, who flies out on like a moment's notice to come run Tough Mudders <laughs> from Germany. I was like, hey, if you're going to be in L.A. and you need a place to stay, you know, if you're going to do the L.A. Um, toughest or Tough Mudder, like – Give me a call. Shoot me a Facebook. Like, I'm here for you. You know, I've got the space. Why not? Bring yeah. Mama as well. Mama's amazing. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh man. Now, um, what was your first event? My first Tough Mudder event? It was, uh, oh, what did they call it? Northwest Florida, I think is what they called it. It was um, about... 45 minutes north of Pensacola, Florida, or Central Florida. I don't even remember what. No, it was Northwest Florida, Gulf Coast. Got it. <laughs> it was Gulf Coast, Tough Mudder. And it was mostly flat with a couple hills. <laughs> and the first one totally kicked my butt. Like it was, I was, because I wasn't like crazy out of shape, but I wasn't in shape either. <laughs> so it kicked my butt, but I just, I just, I loved it. It was a, uh, it was a really fun course. We ended up being able to run that one about three times before we moved. Okay. Excellent. Do you have an all time favorite course? Ooh, that's hard. Um, I really, really loved as far as the course goes. I really loved Atlanta. So we did manage to, to run an Atlanta Tough Mudder And it's just a beautiful course. It was a good mix of hills, but not like crazy steep California hills, kind of like these beautiful rolling hills. And uh, it was just a breathtaking course. I mean, half the reason why I love OCR is just because I get to be out in nature. And it's just the Atlanta course is just stunningly beautiful. And I had a really good time out there. And so I think Atlanta is one of my favorite Tough Mudder courses. Yeah, I got to say it's, 
it's such an amazing experience just to be outside for four or five hours, six hours, and just enjoy the views. Because ev- everywhere yeah. there's a Tough Mudder course, it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so true. Um, do you have a favorite obstacle? That is a tough one. So let's see. Most everyone's is Blockness, and I do really like Blockness Monster. That's a good one, especially now that I know the whole technique of like staying on the block to help pull it over. Um, I'm really getting to like Funky Monkey because that's one of those ones that I used to hate because I was so terrible at upper body <laughs> anything that I would just fail it instantly. So I'd run up to it and I'd get this feeling of dread and I'd be like, oh, God, I'm just going to fall. But now that I can actually get through it, I, I don't know. I love it. It's one of those things that like every time I, I get to it I'm, and get through it, it's like this feeling of accomplishment. So I've really, really come to love Funky That's Monkey. excellent. I, I have always been a fan of Funky Monkey because in my very first Tough Mudder, I ran it with a, a very good friend of mine. But he was, he was a military guy, always had all this awesome strength, and I was always the scrawnier of the two of us. There's a little bit of an <laughs> yeah. inferiority complex there. I'm not going to lie, but he, he <laughs> failed funky monkey and I made it all the way across and I was like, yes. Nice. So this was back when funky monkey was just monkey bars. Right. Oh yeah. Back uh-huh. in the day, like OG style. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Um, and now Funky Monkey the Revolution is just so much fun. I love it. I can't wait to see what the next iteration of it is going to be. I know. Same here. I do love the big wheels, though. They make me feel really strong because I'm like, ah, I've got the grip strength to hold on. <laughs> you know, and I just realized they're probably going to change it for next year. Which, me, which probably. means I'm not going to get another opportunity to try to do it backwards. How far did you make it on I Sunday? Made you made it at least back up to the yes, middle, right? I made it back up to the spinning wheel. Okay. Oh, bummer. But that's hard, though, because you have to like, sw- swing up. So that's a really difficult challenge on yes. the way back. So, well, maybe one, of the op- one, maybe one of the courses I do next year will have a throwback to the revolution. I don't know. Yeah. Well, right now, the pieces of the WTM map are coming out and doesn't look like it's some crazy version of Funky Monkey. It's either going to be the older version or the current version. So I don't know if they're going to change it for next year. We'll see. You'll have to report back. You'll have to give us the... the, the I will. <laughs> I'll do Intel. Now, so what would you have to say to someone who is hesitant to sign up for a Tough mutter? Oh my gosh, I would say just sign up because I can't tell you like how unprepared I felt for my first one. I was just like, I am not trained for this. I am not ready for this. Why did I do this? And then I went out and I finished. That was the most miles I had ever run in my life. That was the most amount of obstacles I'd ever done in my life, my first one. But I was still able to do it. And I, impressed myself with how much I could do because I thought I couldn't do so much. And then I went out and I finished this race and I was like, whoa, I'm actually capable of more than I thought. So if anybody's hesitant, like seriously, just sign up and go. Um, In Seattle, uh, at Tough Mudder Seattle back in September, I took a group of first timers of like my cousins and my good friends and not even kidding. Most of my team was about to back out. They're like, Oh, I'm not ready. I haven't worked out. I'm not ready for this. I was like, just do it. Don't back out. I'm not letting you back out. Just do it. And they went, excuse me. And they loved it so much that two days later, like almost all of them signed up for next year, just cause like it's, it's one of those things that you just have to get out there and do no matter what level you're at and you'll realize how much you're capable of. It's the most incredible experience. So if you're hesitant, just go and see, see how much you can impress yourself. And 
I totally echo everything you just said. And I've often said, if you ever are worried about running alone, like I personally have flown out to places to run tough mutters with first timers because they don't want to run alone. Like Mm -hmm. that's how I went to Dallas this last time. I met this guy via Twitter. He listened to the podcast. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. And he wanted some way to kickstart his fitness. And I was like, sign up for a Tough Mudder. I'll sign up right now if Mm -hmm. you'll do it with me. And he's like, okay, I'll do it. And his name's Chris. We're still really good friends. I mean, I hope we're still really good friends. It's been a month. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, so it's like, if anybody wants to sign up for a Tough Mudder, like first next year, I'm going hardcore. Like, I'm going to try to hit up, up almost every U.S. event. Uh, that's that's a lofty goal. I applaud you, sir. Um, thank you, Southwest Points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, there, <laughs> there it is. It is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like, I know I'm already doing pretty much everything on the West Coast, and then I'm doing Boston, because a buddy of mine was like, I want to do Boston with you. And I was like, all right, I'll come, I'll come hang out in Boston for a week and run a Tough Mudder with you. Not a problem. Yeah, it's it's funny that um, just a minute ago you mentioned it's like, um, your buddy was looking at Tough Butter as a way to kickstart fitness. I will absolutely second that because I will say that right now I'm probably in the best physical shape of my life because of Tough Mudder and OCR. Like just because I ran Tough Mudder, I loved it so much that I was like, Ooh, I want to be better at this. I want to be better at the obstacles. And so before like, yeah, I would go to the gym occasionally and I would run sometimes, but it was always like, uh, I never really put a lot of effort into it. It was like kind of an ebb and flow kind of thing. But once I actually started Tough Mudder and once I had a specific goal, like I want to be good at this, I want to be good at this obstacle. Like it completely changed my mentality. And so I actually started training and started putting in mileage and actually like, and so now I like two years later, I'm at the point where I'm like, oh, I want to actually start getting competitive about this sport, which is crazy because I did not come from an athletic background. <laughs> so I will say Tough Mudder is an excellent way to kickstart fitness if you're interested. Oh, yeah. It, I... I think my, how I got into it echoes a lot of people's where I wanted to do it in 2011 and me and a buddy were like, oh, we're not in shape yet. We'll get in shape. We'll sign up next year. 2012, same thing. Oh, we'll get in shape. We'll sign up next year. Finally, six weeks before the 2013 race, I go, look, man, if we don't sign up, we're never going to do this. So we just signed up. We trained our asses off for six weeks and I don't know. I don't know if I was in the best shape of my life, but I was definitely in the most mutter ready shape I'd ever been. And now it's become just a reason to stay in shape. Right. Yeah. I've added another challenge for next year and I'm doing LA's uh, toughest, which is for those who don't. Yeah. But for those who don't know, it's the, it's uh, a five mile course that you loop for eight hours. So my goal is to put on between 30 or between 30 and 40 miles. If it's the same course, get ready for those hills. Oh my God. (laughs) I'm just going to be doing calf raises for the next six months. Yep. Basically. Uh, But I... I hate running and the fact that I know that I need to up my endurance to be able to do 30 to 40 miles is like, I'm about to just pound the pavement for the next three or four months, putting on like running so much, probably more than I've ever run in my life. And that includes the 28 tough mutters I've done. (laughs) Yeah. So I got it's so like there are there are worse things to be addicted to people. Very true. Um, any what is your absolute favorite part overall? Favorite memory, favorite anything about Tough Mudder? 
Oh, that is so hard. <laughs> Cause like I've, I've had so many fantastic experiences with Tough Mudder. Um, definitely taking my team of first timers through was really fun. Cause it was in my home state and I've already, you know, I've, I'm already super passionate about OCR and I got to show them that a little bit. I gotta say like this past Sunday, fun day was really incredible. Just, um, just going out and having fun on the course and kind of being relaxed. Cause, um, now that I, my goals have shifted a little bit to be a little bit more competitive about the, the sport of obstacle, obstacle course racing. Sometimes I forget to have fun out there. And so this past Sunday, fun day where I just had fun, that's gotta be one of my top experiences so far. That's excellent. That's excellent. <sighs> All right. Let's talk sci-fi. And fantasy. Yes. Okay. Deal. <laughs> so just to start off, what is your, I know I'm making you choose favorites. It's like, it's like choosing your favorite child. I don't know how, I don't know how people do it. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> what is your favorite piece of sci-fi or fantasy? Oh my gosh. That is really, really hard. Um, I, I have to say sci-fi. Um, I gotta say Star Wars. I mean, not to be too cliche, but, um, so I, when I was a kid, I would always watch movies. Like I was addicted to just watching movies all the time. I would watch the, you know, original three Star Wars films. We had them on VHS. I would pop them in the VHS player. I'd watch them and then I'd rewind them and watch them again. And my brother would yell at me <laughs> because he was like, Heather, stop. You're going to make me really sick of these movies. And I was like, I don't care. <laughs> so I have always been um, just a huge Star Wars fan. It's it's hard because I'm also a Star Trek fan. But um, I got to say Star Wars is probably my favorite piece of sci-fi. Excellent. Now, when when you say these VHSs, these are the original like theatrical release VHSs. Yes. And do mm -hmm. you still have them? My parents do, and I am trying to sneak them out of their house. <laughs> I I'm trying to acquire them right now because they're like they're the pure theatrical release without any of that digital crap that was added in later. And so I really really want those three VHS so bad. That's definitely where I was going because I'm like, I'm like, Oh yes, you get to, you get to watch these without, you know, any like horrible CGI added or oh, like yeah. Hayden Christensen's ghost popping up in Return of the <laughs> Jedi. Cause, cause guess right? what? Luke uh -oh. doesn't know who that is. Exactly. Oh gosh. I remember the first time I watched the digitally remastered version and I was like, what is this? Like every single thing they added in, I instantly saw it. I was like, oh no, no, this is not right. <laughs> it's like the time, uh, I don't know if it was Lucas, but it could, I it might've been Spielberg, how they digitally replaced all the guns in E.T. with walkie talkies. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh. Well, that's, that was a South Park episode. No, there was a South Park episode about how they digitally replaced, um, cigarettes with like lollipops or something, but yes. Um, and it stemmed from them actually doing this in ET. Oh no. Well, it's funny. Cause like they referenced that in that same South Park episode about directors ruining movies. And I thought that was just a joke. I didn't think they actually replaced the guns with walkie-talkies. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a set. Oh, that's awful. It's been a while since you watched ET, huh? Apparently, wow. Like, what's next? Are we going to take Jurassic Park and replace all the dinosaurs with like zebras? <laughs> that would drastically change the movie, I think. Exactly. It's just pointless. It's pointless. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, okay, since since we're new friends. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Uh, Return of the Jedi. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not one I usually hear, but yep. I like it. I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of Jedi over A New Hope. 
Yeah, I just that was the that was the one I kept going back to. Like if I wasn't doing the whole three movie stint and I just wanted to watch one, I would watch Return of the Jedi just because I mean, so, so many different aspects. I love the beginning of it with the Sarlacc pit and everything. And then I love Endor and the Ewoks. I think it's maybe because I, I grew up in the Northwest and I've always loved forests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, just I, I love Endor and the battle on Endor and just the big climax of the whole series. Like I've always, always loved Return of the That's Jedi. Awesome. Uh, thoughts on the new trilogy? Like uh, not the actual not episodes one, two, and three, but episode seven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I I really liked it, and it's funny because I saw a lot of you know online commentary where really diehard hardcore fans were like, ah, it's just a rehashing. I don't care. I am definitely a sucker for nostalgia, and then yes, of course, I saw the parallels to you know the original three. But I I really liked it. I liked that it had parallels to the original series, and yet it still had its own, you know, individual nature to it. And so I am so excited for the next one to come out. I loved the first one. I I rewatched it on a plane of all places, and I was like getting really choked up towards the end, just because like there's certain parts that got me all choked up, and I was like, I'm on a plane. I probably shouldn't be crying <laughs> randomly in my seat. But uh, it's so funny. Like I was so excited for that to come out that like. I remember watching it in theaters and the, you know, the opening scroll starts and I was like getting emotional and I was like, okay, simmer down. <laughs> I got a whole movie to get through, but like, I, I really liked it. I loved, I loved Rogue One as well. Rogue One. Like, honestly, I was a little skeptical. I'm like, oh, they're just trying to milk the franchise. But then I went and saw Rogue One and oh my goodness, I was impressed. It was fantastic. I, I really, I did really like uh, Rogue One and I, I, I love the fact that I'm getting female protagonists. Yes. Oh my gosh. And the fact yes. That they don't need to rely on like male protagonists to succeed. Right. Exactly. And like that, that the word there doesn't have to be like a female protagonist with this romantic storyline necessarily like i can't i cannot remember i'm a horrible fan i can't remember what her name was from rogue Sorry, one me but like she was such a powerful figure and i was just so impressed by her and <laughs> the ending made me so sad but it was just um i was just so impressed by how that character was written and just um, how the movie played out with her storyline. It was just, it was so good. And it it goes to show you that you don't need these romantic subplots. You can actually make a movie where everybody knows the ending because we learned mm-hmm. the ending of Rogue One in A New <laughs> Hope. Yeah, yeah. And it'll still be successful and it'll still be a good entertaining movie. Exactly, exactly. Now, what is your thoughts on who Ray's parents are? Ooh, uh, so it's funny because everyone was like, oh, it's Han and Leia's other child. They had twins too. I was like, no, no, they're not going to do that again. I really think that Ray is Luke's daughter. That's my big theory. And I don't have any big, like, you know, 10 page essay to back it up. That's just my gut feeling. I have no idea who the mother would be in that scenario, but I really, because she's clearly got some sort of, she's got the force in her and she was drawn to Luke's lightsaber. And so I, there's some connection to Luke on some level, but I really don't think that she's Han and Leia's kid, so I, I think she's Luke's daughter. That's that's my guess. Okay. I I had a really wild theory a while ago, right after the movie first came out, but I can't remember it for the life of me. It was, oh, it was no. gonna be like she was the <laughs> granddaughter of Obi Wan. She was okay, she was gonna be Luke's daughter. But Obi-Wan's granddaughter. So, like, Obi-Wan 
got together with somebody at some point, and then that somebody got together with Luke. Oh. That that was my theory from a while ago. I think. I don't know. It was more fleshed out when I had more time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know how they're doing all the expanded universe stuff? We're getting getting, Mm -hmm. uh, Solo, which is about Han Solo. Yeah. What is one Star Wars story that you would like to see? Like a a spinoff movie that you want to see? Oh, man. That is an excellent question. And one I have not thought about. Because really, Han is the biggest person that you'd want to see a spinoff about. Now, they're going to have a young Lando in the Han spinoff, right? Because he's played by, what's his John name? John Glover. And yes. Yeah, thank you. Okay, because I've, I've always been intrigued by Lando. And so even though the movie's going to follow Han, I remember seeing the uh, Empire Strikes Back and there's Lando Calrissian and I've always been curious about him. So even though, you know, he's going to be in the Han movie, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit more backstory behind Lando because I feel like he pops up in the second movie and you're like, who is this guy? And you just don't get enough about him. And he's such a pivotal character in multiple ways. And so I'm really excited to hear more about his backstory. I've always wanted. So you remember the Cantina band? (laughs) Yes, of course. Who doesn't know the Cantina band? I want them to have a behind a VH1 (laughs) behind the music style movie or just like a one hour Netflix special on. Yes. Oh my How God. the Cantina Band formed, what happened to them after the movie, like... Oh my God, I would so watch that. That would be amazing. I, you know, there... See, my, my thing is, there are so many amazing characters in the Star Wars universe. I, I don't need to know about Han. I don't need to know about Lando. I don't need to know about Boba Fett. But it's like, find me the one obscure, random character... <laughs> and yes. tell me their story. Like, like, the- dude, or if we got the backstory of Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's a pretty big character, but like, that would be crazy to hear Jabba the Hutt's backstory. Yeah, or, you know what? The the stormtroopers that, uh, that Obi-Wan <gasps> yeah. is like, these are not the droids you're looking for. Do they <laughs> get in trouble? I don't know. Yeah. Yes, infinite possibilities <laughs> for character expansion. Oh my gosh, I love it. Okay, you know what I would love to see though? Have you heard about that? Um, it's not a fan theory. It's an actual like what Jar Jar was originally designed yes. to be or something. I would love to see like an, an I don't even know what it would be because it's sort of like an alternate storyline. So I don't know how you would characterize the movie of it, but I would love to see a film where it actually explores what Jar Jar's character was actually supposed to be because I like everybody else hated what Jar Jar was in those that you know the oh, yeah. first three terrible movies but like if that was if his character was actually that dark Sith Lord character that it was supposed to oh I would watch that movie so hard I know. <laughs> and it's, it, okay it bothers me that they ch- like they changed from that original uh plot because if you just have the courage of your convictions, I think we would be talking a lot differently about the original trilogy. Oh, absolutely. It would have had like this. Uh, it would have had a lot more, uh, you know, meat and bones to it. It would have been there would have been so much more as opposed to this like ridiculous amount of fluff until you get to some sort of heavy stuff in the third film. Like. Ah, the first, ugh, yeah, I could go on and on, but yeah, I know, I, I agree. I, okay, I can totally see if you get that reveal in the third movie, okay, now I have a reason to go back and watch episode one again, because as of right now, right. never. Yeah, basically any sort of depth, yeah. any sort of depth would have been nice. Um, I will say I wanted uh, Snoke. I want him to be Jar Jar. <laughs> yes. 
Like, oh man, I just where where in, like, a great battle with Luke, he loses his like floppy ears or whatever, and that's how he gets the <laughs> scar and everything. Oh and man, like, All right, full it's funny because like. <laughs> Yeah, like it's funny because like if he were actually like the Sith Lord character, that'd be awesome. But like all I could see is like the goofy character he turned out to be, and putting that together with Snoke is just oh, that's good. I, you know what? I try, I try. This is this is why they just need to put fanboys and girls in charge of everything. Oh, precisely. Mm-hmm. Couldn't like, agree. We will make everything better. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, now, what is one piece of sci-fi or fantasy that you currently love that not a lot of people know about? Ooh, that is a hard question. Okay, so this is this is kind of so it's a it's technically fantasy. And don't judge, but it's technically young adult books. But there was this book series called Aberat that not a lot of people know about. And it's absolutely fantastic. Um, It's written by Clive Barker, who a lot of people know for like Hellraiser and a lot of his horror books. But he wrote this series of young adult books that now the reason I mention them is because I started reading them when I was a young adult. (laughs) So I read them as a teenager, um, but um, I'm a huge fan because he's all Clive Barker is also an artist, and so his books included a lot of art pieces that went along with it, and it's this really just crazy um, fantasy story. I I, I mean I, I I'm not even gonna go into the full explanation of it all. Because honestly, it's been a while since I read that. But that's honestly one of my absolute all-time favorite fantasy series that almost no one's ever heard about. And he he sort of did the George R.R. Martin thing where he – it's supposed to be like a five or six book series. And – he the, the books kept getting more and more spaced out. So there's only three right now, and there's supposed to be like five. And he st- he wrote the first one like 15 years ago. So I'm like I'm hanging on the third book, hope hoping that the other two are going to come out because it's this unfinished story. But I think he's just sort of got distracted by other projects. But I think that's probably one of my favorite fantasy series that no one's ever heard about. And then just sci-fi books just ben bova books i've always been a fan of and i don't think anybody really knows who he is (laughs) well i'm going to include links to that stuff in the show notes and i'm actually looking up clive barker aberat right now and oh my gosh it's so good like i i can read it back now 10 years later and i still get so captivated by it because like clive barker he still has this like super dark and twisted mind but he he tames it a little bit because technically it is you know young adult but it's still kind of crazy and weird and still has this dark element and the the paintings and the art behind it are crazy and i love it and it's so good so oh it's oh one of my favorite all-time series i have it up on my my overdrive right now i'm gonna try to find the audiobook I'm yeah, it's excited. good. This is going to get it, added to my queue. Yay, good. It should. And because uh, I always like to give um, guests and listeners suggestions, I will have two. Um, one is actually fairly pro- popular, and it's a TV show, uh, Orphan Black. Oh, yeah, I keep hearing about that one. It's, I need to watch it. It's sci-fi in the sense that there are clones, but... It's not sci-fi in the sense that there's nothing really else science fiction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Clones, sci-fi. And then um, I know you said you were a big reader, uh, but you haven't had a lot of time to read. So I would suggest the comic book Saga. Saga? Oh, so Saga is the name of the comic book? S-A-G-A. Okay. And it is by Brian K. Vaughn. Um, and it's illustrated by Fiona Staples. The art is absolutely gorgeous. 
and it is traditional sci-fi. It is a, very similar to uh, the universe is very similar to a Star Wars type universe where you have all these different types of aliens that you're just like, oh my goodness, this world is so expansive. Um, but it's because it's comic book, each issue is a fairly short read. So it could probably take you, I don't know, 10 minutes a night to read an issue. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, I think there are about 50 issues out. So if you have time, I highly suggest you pick it up. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. It's so good. It's so good. It, yeah. It's funny because like I love comics, but I actually have never really sat down and read a ton. I read a bunch of manga for a while. There's a lot of manga series I really like, but um, I need to I need to explore comics more. I like I like everything based off of comics. <laughs> well, that's good. That's you're halfway there. Um, and if you yeah. ever actually, do you have a library card? You know, I don't have a local one for the first time, like in my life. I I, I have a love affair with libraries, so it's shocking that I don't have one right now. But well, I will. Well, even I will if get. You one. don't have a local library card as long as you have a library card. You can. I have like three. <laughs> use the app Hoopla. H o o p l a, and I want to say you can check out. I'm pretty sure they have every issue of Saga on there, and you can check it out for free. That's good to know. Yeah, because that's what I would do with all like the the manga books I would read. I would just like go to the library and check out like just giant stacks of them and put them on, you know, I would request them and all that stuff. So I'll definitely do that with the the oh, saga. It, it, I, I promise you the next time we run a Tough mutter, if you've read the first volume, the first trade paperback of Saga, uh, the next Tough mutter we run together, you'll be like, oh, my God, I had to read all of it. Yes, it'll probably. I'm I'm a person who gets sucked into stuff re- like right away, so I'm As sure. Seen by our addictions to Tough Mudder. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yep. Awesome. Well, yep. I'm excited to check out Aberat. Aberat. Yeah. However, we want to pronounce that. It's it's so. Oh my god! Like I I wish everyone in the world knew about it because it is one of the best fantasy series i've ever read in my life well that is a that is a high 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 recommendation (laughs) yeah i hope it lives up to that (laughs) um i've taken up just about an hour of your time and it has been such a blast talking to you i'm so excited um that we became friends over tough mutter me too me too um before i let you go if anybody has any follow-up or questions, comments, concerns, can anyone reach out to you via social media? Where can they find Overcome and Run? And where can they find you? Absolutely. Well, uh, my personal Facebook page is fairly fairly public just because between photography and the podcast, so I'm Heather Catherine Bodie on Facebook. Overcome and Run, we have a Facebook page, literally just Overcome and Run. On Instagram, we are at Overcome and Run. And those are the two uh, biggest spots that you can find us. Excellent. And we will, as usual, include all of those in the show notes. Lastly, is there anyone who you would like to give a shout out on the podcast? Oh, gosh. Uh, (laughs) Not that I can think of off the top of my head. And maybe I'm going to hate myself for forgetting someone later. But uh, I don't know. The Tough Mudder community. Just incredible. Awesome. Um, I specifically want to give a shout out to the friends I ran with on Saturday, my friend Mandy. She's been getting a lot of shout outs on the podcast recently. Uh, and my buddy Kyle, um, they put their trust in me to show them a good Tough Mudder experience. And I think, uh, I definitely think that they, uh, that I succeeded in doing that. And I think they had a great time. So. I definitely think Kyle is going to come back for more, and I'm pretty sure Mandy is as well. So Good. I should <laughs> hope so. <laughs> right? Um, so, yep. Heather, thank you so much for giving me part of your evening. I very much appreciate it. 
Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's it's been a lot of fun. Come back anytime. Maybe we'll have you back on after the last Jedi comes out, and you and I can just nerd out over. It. <gasps> yes, please. <laughs> I would love that. Excellent. And good luck this weekend at Worlds. I hear it's thank seven you. p.m. to seven p.m. That is a lie. No That's way. What I heard. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have they not? No. Have they not, do you know what it is? What the timing is? I think it's still noon to noon. Okay. Yeah, I think you heard a crazy rumor. I think it's still okay. noon to noon. Well, that makes yeah. sense. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad it's noon to yeah. noon. All right. Yeah. And on that note, Dragons, we're going to leave it there. I hope you all have an amazing, productive rest of your week, and we will talk to you next week. Workout Nerd Out. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.